Hello and welcome to Deep Roots, the podcast brought to you by Oak Hill College. My name's Tim Ward and I'm one of the teaching staff here. And I'm delighted to have two special guests with me here. I've really been looking forward to this because two of my favourite people are in the room. And I'm not just saying that because you're here. Um, it's true. John Tuckwell, who's... Do you, pa- do you mean us two or the many people who are lined up <laughs> against the wall over there? <laughs> I, I love all the hidden tech people. There. Okay, good. And I also love you two guys. So John Tuckwell, who's the pastor of the church that I attend with my family, uh, pastor and friend as well, and also my friend and former colleague Adrian Reynolds, former colleague from our time together working at Proclamation yeah, Trust. Hello, Tim. Hello. Thank you for coming down here. Great to be here. From uh, up there in Market Harbour, where you are a job for the FIC, a job title you told me before we hit record, and I've forgotten. Yes, also what the FIC is, people might not know that, it's the Fellowship of Independent Evangelical Churches. Yep. And I'm the head of national ministries, which sounds very grand. Absolutely does. Basically means I do a bit of everything. Tremendous. I've even been trying to think, what is the title of the topic we're talking about? So <laughs> I'm going to set it up as quite general. We're talking about the, the pattern of the Sunday meeting for a local church. And the reason for getting you two together is, well, John, the church you lead and that I'm part of, we've recently made a significant shift yep. in the pattern of Sunday services. And Adrian, you did something similar in the church in Hampshire when you were a pastor. Yep. We'll get on to just what that is, because it's quite unusual. What you've both done, it's not unheard of in this country, but it is fairly unusual. So we're gonna, we'll come to that. Um, but before we get there, just describe um, the kind of church that, Agent, you did pastor, John, that you pastor now. Agent, you kick off. Uh, so a rural, small town, large village, I think you'd probably call it, in Hampshire. Uh, it was a, um, a Grace Baptist Church, quite a conservative Baptist chapel, really, you might call it. Um, very consistent congregation. Um, not huge numbers of visitors and walk-ins mm-hmm. down a long, unmade lane that you had to kind of navigate uh, on, on your in your four by four really um s- probably 60 50 60 adults yeah maybe 20 25 children that sort of size yeah so i mean within the fic interesting that that would be just below average size mm. um so yeah smallish people knew one another yeah um pretty regular attendance morning and evening service mm. on a sunday um that probably uh 60 of the church who came in the morning would also come in the evening, so not different congregations, one congregation. Yeah. And so you were the only member of staff there, I guess? I was the only member of staff, yeah, and I had three other elders mm, okay. who led the church with me. And John, Christchurch Cockfosters, just a mile up the road here? Just a mile up the road, top of the Piccadilly line, so lots of commuters. Um, it is, I mean, Cockfosters, is, it's a bit of a village on the top of London, and so there's a village community, people know each other within the village, and quite an ethnically diverse church and a good spread of ages. Lots of young families. Church school, it's a good church school. People want to get their kids in. Um, but we are naught through to 103, I think, our <laughs> eldest church family mm, member wow. is. And on a Sunday, around 350, probably sort of 70, 80 of those would be under 18. And um, lots... Cockfosters is a place where you move to and you don't move away from. So lots of people have been in the church for 50, 60, 70 years. Yeah. Are, are there other evangelical churches within reach? Because that might have an impact actually on our conversation. What else is around? Yeah, there is. Because 100 years ago, we planted into Hadley Wood, which is actually in our parish. Right. So St. Paul's Hadley Wood is, I mean, as a crow flies, about a mile away. Mm. Um, Grace Church Highlands 
was a plant 15 years ago, not far, St. Thomas Oakwood, Conservative Evangelical Church in the neighbouring parish. Yeah. So, so if you had a car and, and you didn't like... Um, uh, Reverend Tuckwell's preaching. Oodles of choice. Oh yeah, quite a choice. I mean, Oodles. not far away. Interesting. In, okay. Enfield Town Community Church. Yeah. Terrific okay. independent church. Not Yale, far away. Yately quite different to that. Yeah. So quite a contained town, um, bordering on one side on to, to, to locate it on Sandhurst, oh, right. um, Fleet sort of area. So okay, so around right. there, um, lots of army barracks which were quite cut off from us. Um, only one other evangelical church, which was um, a very very woolly. I think to describe it as a middle of the road evangelical church would be quite, yeah, quite um, generous. Gen- generous. Right. Yeah. So that was the only other option. Okay. Well, now I've built the anticipation. Let's now let's talk about the change that uh, John you've made recently. Adrian, you made a while ago when you were pastor. We'll come to the the why in a minute, but mm-hmm. let's just get a sense of if someone arrives at Christchurch Cockfosters on a typical Sunday morning, John, walk us through what happens in comparison to how it used to be? Um, okay, so the the previous model was a fairly classic 9am traditional service. 40 or 50 or so would have been there with a 10.30 bursting at the seams service once a month would have been hmm. all ages, yeah. kids groups. I mean, the kids were barely in the service. They would have, they started out and just came in for the last five minutes. Hmm. Um yeah, kind unusual of, way around that one, wasn't it? They started out and then pop, they did, popped in. Yeah. Which caused some problems. Um, <laughs> but now, turn up, we have got 9.15 service or 11.30 service. Both services are 55 minutes long, or at least they are on the planning sheet. 20-minute um, sermon, they're identical services, you know, unless you've got a baptism at one yeah. and not another. So you don't have that lit- kind of liturgical, looser no. distinction no. anymore? They are, go, they are yeah, identical, okay. aren't they? They are identical. We do have a midweek, monthly, right. more liturgical. Um, that has been part of the challenge. Um, so 9.15 through to 10 past 10, 11.30 through till 12.25, and then in... And and no kids, no separate kids provision. No kids, yeah. So the kids are in those services. Kids are in those services. That's the joy. Okay. Between those services, we have what we call crossover. So 10.15 till 11.15... And the, the idea is you either come to the first service and stay for crossover or come for crossover and stay for the second service. It's a package. And crossover, there's loads that goes on in crossover. Our, our kids' ministry takes place there in terms of the kids' groups. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our inquirers' groups would take place then um, because you can say to the parents, drop off your kids, come to the, yep. come to the cafe, we're going to tell you about Jesus. We do some training then. Because we do training, I help lead the um, small group leaders, yeah. and then we do the training for them in that crossover. We like as well. to call Ra- them life, life groups, Tim. Life groups, <laughs> sure. Giving it generic name. <laughs> giving it generic name. Yeah, well done. Generic name, John. What proportion of people, in, in very broad terms, come to the crossover who have been at the combined two services? Well, in very broad I, terms, yeah. most. Okay, yeah, good. But certainly not all. And yeah, there is yeah. a pattern of, like, we've noticed some parents will drop their kids off to the kids' groups and then right. go to the cafe right. around the corner. Okay. Um, so there's, yep. there's yep. that. So, you, so if someone comes, you either do church or the service crossover yeah, or crossover service. Yeah. And within crossover, should I say this now? Yeah, the, yeah, go for so it. So the engage groups, we call them, 
adult groups, they're sort of, we want them to be sort of conversational, a chance. I've described them as, it's like um, coffee time, but with guided theological discussion. Yeah. So you're trying to talk to people, and there's just a bit of input from the front. It's not heavy on input. It's not heavy, no. Right. So 45 minutes and 15 minutes from the front, 30 minutes in groups is the okay. way we try and frame okay. it for leaders. Not just led by yep. staff, church family members get to input in right. there. It's been a good training ground for that. Mm. Whole range of topics. Yeah, just give us, because that's one thing that's really struck me is one extraordinary range of topics we've had. Give us a sense of the kind of things. Oh, we have done. So we've done, um, we spent three weeks on predestination, yeah. thinking that through and sort of deeper theology. Did we, you plan that before? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Someone did. Uh, <laughs> come on, someone had to come up with that, didn't they? No. Uh, three, we did three weeks. So they generally run in three-week blocks. Yep. Um, so that you're not trying to overpack the content. Yep. Three weeks, think about the environment and Christian care for the environment. Um, we've thought about money. We've thought about sharing your faith, um, how to welcome well in a church. Yep. So care for the poor and the homeless. Great, so very yeah, homelessness yeah. was yeah, yeah a big yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, So we've done a real range of topics. Full Interesting. Range. Br- thank you. We we'll come on to the what the why in a moment. Just want to get a sense of what you did. So, Adrian, when you were a pastor, actually, you were telling me beforehand. There's what you actually <laughs> did, which was wasn't quite would have been your ideal. So, no, so just tell us what you did. So I'll tell you what I did. Yeah. So if you turned up at church, you would have turned up at ten. Yeah. Um, ten. We did classes. Of various kinds um, for 45 minutes. So Sunday school classes, we called them Sunday school classes. Mm. Um, children's Sunday school classes, kind of traditional Sunday school classes, I guess. And adult Sunday school classes. We had two or sometimes three groups. We were that sort of size. That was the sort of sustainable level yep. for us. And in those groups, we did a lot of the same things you did, actually, John. Um, so we worked in six-week blocks. Or in, in fact, we, we morphed to work, work, working in half-term blocks. Yeah, that yeah. just became mm-hmm. more simple yeah, because so many people in the church are thinking around school terms and, and half terms. So we worked in half term blocks and we sometimes did books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. We sometimes did training for evangelism. We might have talked about discipleship topics and how you live out your faith in this situation or that situation. We might have talked about children with special needs and how we care for those, you know, all those sorts of topics. I guess the same sort of topics yep. that you're talking about. And we did those with adults. And slight difference is we did use to cut things different ways. Mm. So sometimes we would meet men and women separately, um, which gave an opportunity both for women to be teaching, but also for, for women to be instructed and for men to be instructed in their particular roles. We might have met marrieds and singles. We did that once. Um, we might go um, people who are at work, people who are retired. Uh, we might do different levels. Mm. That, that becomes slightly contentious. And we actually did three levels. We we did Revelation. We did it in three different groups. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we called them we we called them skimmed, semi skimmed, and full fat. <laughs> okay. Um, and you could choose which one. You were self selecting. Yeah, you yeah, chose yeah, which yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. You, you yeah. Know, do you want to go to the full fat and really wrestle with, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, what the millennium is, or do you just want to go and and hear some very basic stuff about how Revelation perhaps works mm-hmm. and encourages you to keep going? Yeah. Um, so yeah, all those different ways we did that. So that that was forty five minutes, then um, forty five minutes coffee time, mm. um, all together as a church, and then a service all together. And actually, maybe we might not have time to talk about this. The whole language about what you say: do you say service? Do you say meeting? Do you say yeah, gathering? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all very, all the language is very loaded, isn't it? But 
as people would understand it, a service mm. of an hour yeah. all together, the whole church, um, no creche, no kids groups, everyone together. Yeah. 25 minute sermon as part of that. Um, and we can talk a bit more about how that actually worked in practice. Mm, mm. And that would be the morning yeah. then. Who, who taught your groups? Um, generally elders okay. um, or one or two other people qualified to teach, I would say. And we weren't flush with teachers, no. I don't think. And we never got people in because it was a Sunday morning. People were committed in other places yeah, sure. to church, so yeah. we did it in-house. Um, occasionally we watched things. Mm. So we might have had a video we watched. Yeah, if it was So when we did some evangelism training, we used um, Colin Buchanan stuff, yeah, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we had an evening service as well. We didn't drop the evening service. Okay. Now, what did I want to do? Yeah, drop the evening service. <laughs> I wanted to have four hours together as a church on a Sunday. Yeah. A block, which had... A similar sort of morning, mm. classes or instruction or discipleship training, whatever you might call it, for the, for the whole age group. Yeah, yeah. Split up probably by age group. Um, a break for coffee, a, a worship gathering together, lunch together, probably with the Lord's Supper, and then a short prayer meeting all together as a church. Mm. No evening service. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Didn't happen. But that didn't happen. So no, the and lunch didn't happen. Okay. No, and be, because... Um, Within church leadership, you have grand visions, don't you, and plans of things you'd like to do. And sometimes you just have to think very carefully about, you know, what's going to keep the church together. Yeah. And um, actually, I, I, reflecting on it now, I think I might have pushed a bit. I, I should have pushed a little bit harder. Okay. Because actually I set myself up for producing three things a week yeah, instead yeah, of two, yeah. which suddenly became quite a lot more work. But that's another story. Yeah, yeah, that's really difficult. Yeah. So, the big thing we're getting to is why? Why would you do this? Why indeed? Because this <laughs> this is unusual in the UK. Yeah, it, it is. It has been, as lots of people know, it has been more common in the states. Although I think that's stars beginning to wane a little bit. A lots, a lots of the newer church plants in the states, I gather, wouldn't have what would classically be called an adult Sunday school. John, I can, one of the moments I can remember when you were, I mean. You and the leadership of the church were very much leading us on this. There's what I thought was a glorious moment of leadership. We, <laughs> I, I, know, I mean, I know you were getting some pushback, and there were discussions around the church family. Inevitably, it's it's new, and how will this be? How will that be? Fine, people don't always like change. And you stood up, uh, you said with a big grin on your face to the whole church family one day. Very few churches in this country do this. We'll do it for a trial period, and we may discover why very few churches in this country <laughs> do this. Now, wonderfully. We're through that child period, and the church family wanted to continue, and that's just we love it. That's just yeah, wonderful. We love it. For each of you, wh why do you think this this general pattern? You you did doing it in different ways, but this general pattern of kids in the service and then an adult Sunday school alongside something like an adult Sunday school alongside kids Sunday school. Why does that not happen in the UK? Why why does that seem alien? I have to say, I've met quite a bunch of number of pastors who, who, when you talk about it, seem to say, do you know, somewhere deep in my heart of hearts, I feel there's a rightness to that and I'd like to give it a go. But is what I've heard quite a bit. Yeah, it's pretty scary. And everyone, so, I mean, I guess I can gauge that from the reaction of the church family when we start talking about it. Yeah. Parents fear the misbehaving child. Yeah, yeah. And the exposure that gives to them. Non-parents fear being completely disrupted by yeah. the kids tearing around. Um, there's 
there was quite loud voices. Um, so within a sort of conservative evangelical mindset saying, well, the sermon is the main thing on a Sunday morning. And if we're doing something that makes it harder for grown-ups to hear the sermon, mm. then it must be a bad thing. Mm. End of discussion. Can understand that? Yeah. yeah. So why did you do it? Because I don't think church is just a sermon. Okay. <laughs> why did you do it? Well, I, I, we were quite clear about why we were doing it. And I, I think probably three convictions, um, which are kind of linked. Uh, the first conviction was we were trying to make the sermon do too much. So there's an awful lot of disciple-making that should be going on in church, which is not just about individual to individual. Um, it's about the responsibility of the church. How do you help people? Do all those things we've been talking about, actually. You know, you've been covering some really useful topics, John, that actually, where, where do you cover those topics? Yep. Where do you help people live for Christ on Monday morning, wherever they are? Um well, and, and there was well, a missing well, piece. There. Well, for about fifty years, in many evangelical churches of this country, the answer to that has been, "Ah, that's where your small groups come in." Well, yes, except um, we all know that they have their own challenges. But, but I think also there's something about the way that that teaching is linked to the authority of the church. Mm. Um, so it's interesting if you go back over over time in church history, a lot of the um, a lot of the really deep stuff that's been produced in terms of resources for the church has arisen out of church gathered to hear teaching on subjects yeah. you know, whether that's bible books mm. so lloyd jones um famous romans lectures yeah. came out of a friday they evening they, lecture they were series. not sunday they were not sermons. sermons many people no. think those are sunday yeah. sermons and they weren't yeah no. um, church near to me in east london um st dunstan's um had a church lecture that was his title hang on you you said you lived in leicestershire I east used London. to live in East London. Ah, oh, yes, yes. And um, the church there a few hundred years ago had a church lecturer called Jeremiah Burroughs, whose midweek mm. lectures were the rare, became the rare jewel of Christian mm. contentment, one of my mm. favourite Christian books. Mm. Preached, by the way, at 6am in the morning. That's when they had their midweek meeting. Okay. Um, which really is about Christian contentment, isn't it? If you're getting up wow. at 6am to listen to sermons on contentment, uh, lectures on contentment. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's a depth that you can't manage in it. 25-minute yep. sermon. So that was the first conviction, mm. um, that we needed more depth in our teaching, essentially. Mm. Um, second conviction is that the church, sorry, the the New Testament, the New Covenant building block of the kingdom is the church. So we want to get the church together. We want to be together. Mm -hmm. And if you are a believer, whatever age you are, um, actually, we want you to be part of that. We yeah. want you to be sharing the means of grace together. Um, it, it seems odd. It just seems mismatched that we have this conviction about the church being the family and the building block, and yet we all go off and do our own thing. Yeah. It'd be like going, oh, I'm going to my parents' 60th wedding anniversary in a couple of weeks, and they've booked a room at the local golf club. It'd be like us all turning up and then going off to different places. To, you know, it just seems odd. Mm. Why would you do that? So but I, you get used to it. We you do get used to it, yes. And it's, there's a simplicity about it because actually I wouldn't have to worry about, you know, people eating fish, which I really hate. Um, so you, do, you get used to it. So that was the second conviction, that the building block is the, the church. Yeah, yeah. And then the third conviction is that, that there's something significant about the gathering of God's people and especially about the preaching, but not only the preaching, that actually there is an encounter with Christ together 
Um, and whether that's in the Lord's Supper, whatever your theology is of the Lord's Supper, whether it's kind of swingly at one end or perhaps more Calvinistic at the other end, whatever it is, there's something special about doing that together. Yeah. There's something special about the preaching of God's word. It's not just a talk. It might be a talk, but it's more than that. It's an encounter with Christ together. So actually those three things came together to say, why would we not be doing this? Yeah. yeah. And it, as you know, I'm on I'm on board with this, but it, I've never it, heard you talk about that. Too, well, so I'm, yeah. I'm surprised to hear that. But of course, some people will naturally feel, and I think it's, this is a perfectly reasonable response. Is it is it a deficient encounter with Christ when a group of people meet in someone's home on a Wednesday evening to read scripture and pray? Um, well, I'd, my answer to that is no encounter with Christ can be deficient. Okay. So any encounter with Christ is supernatural and wonderful and beyond words and beyond description. Yeah. But if there is something about the gathered, the whole gathered people of God that Christ has ordained, that must be the best way to experience it. Okay. Okay, fair enough. That's really so. Three, really, three convictions, mm. and, and actually fairly foundational theological convictions yes. about the nature of and which we articulated ch- from the beginning as we were Christian. trying to talk to the church about it. Yeah. Um, one of the challenges is not everyone in the church agreed with them. Okay. Sure. Um, or not everyone in the church understood them. Yep. Yeah. Or really grasped them. And I think that's one of the challenges when you're doing when you're making decisions that appear quite radical. Yeah. And you're doing them for convictional positions. It's not, you know, you're within church, everyone knows this. You've got a wide range of people. You've got mm. new believers, you've got old believers, you've got believers from this tradition, from that tradition, you've got believers who think this theological point is the most important, others who think it's the other one, and, and everything in between. Some who think that no theological points are important. So actually, you might have very clear convictions. You might even be able to articulate them. That doesn't necessarily win over people to the cause. And that's true in a lot of church life, isn't yeah, it? Well, yeah, absolutely, mm. absolutely. Now, what's interesting about the two churches is a similar move, but looking really different because of different demographics and different social location and so on. So, John, for you and the leadership at Christchurch, what what were the core drivers for this? Um, well, I mean, lockdown, actually, from some sense. We learned a lot in lockdown. Everything because we stopped. made this change coming out of lockdown, we did. didn't we? Yeah. Had you planned it before no, lockdown? So no. it, was, it was driven. It really was driven by that experience. Well, we got a church council member who I can picture him. He wandered up to our window one day, sort of tapped on it, opened the window, socially distanced, mask on, and he just said, um, "said everything stopped, isn't it? Everything's changed. What a wonderful catalyst for change God has given to us." And then we went through what we called a ministry review process where we looked at 10 key ministry areas of church life. I looked at Sunday services and we tried to listen to people's stories. And it was fascinating. So, you know, we had this 9 a.m. liturgical service and the assumption was everyone who went to that must prefer a more liturgical service. You phone them up, you chat to them, you check how they're doing in lockdown and all of that. And you listen to their experience of church. Oh, no, I would far rather be at the 1030 but I know I wouldn't get a parking space. So I come at 9am. Or someone who comes at 10.30, oh no, I'd far rather be at 9am, but I'm never going to make it in time. I'm not going to get up in time. And so just hearing those stories. And then um, one parent said to me, their kids are grown up. um, And they said, look, my kids, they knew how to be part of a, a Sunday school and they knew how to be part of a youth group. And... They knew what it was to be in a student church, but they 
don't actually know how to exist in a, a normal church. Everything had always been tailored specifically around them, which isn't church. And then other parents telling the stories about their kids hadn't sat through a sermon until they went to university. Mm. And that was sort of the first moment. And quite a few of the kids inevitably sort of fell away. And hearing those stories and saying, look, this just, this isn't a right pattern of church we've got at the moment. Another way we framed it was because our kids were basically in the service for, for five minutes on a Sunday. And um, they were kept in the church hall. And we said, look, if we said to our over 60-year-olds, um, actually, don't gather with us. You go down to the church hall. You can come in for the last five minutes. How weird would that? But for some reason, we've got used to this concept of the kids not being with us in the service. And so with the catalyst of lockdown and all of that, we shook everything. We thought long and hard about what we were trying to achieve. And as a larger church, the relational poverty, which again, you know, lockdown taught us quite a lot about our need for mm. relationships and thinking deeply about how, how can we really get to know each other so that we can do the things that scripture commands us to do yeah. as a church. Yeah. Um, and then thinking about discipleship. I mean, we're in Commuterville. You can put things on in the evenings midweek, but people aren't back yeah. for them. And they've you know, just got back and had some dinner. It's hard, hard to, to make midweek out. work. Yeah. But we, now, we I get, think. Yeah. Now we, we mentioned the life group leader training now happens on Sunday morning. Yeah. We get a far bigger proportion of the life group leaders for training on the Sunday morning yeah. than we would we, midweek evening. Yeah. And yeah. I don't blame them for that. Yeah. No. Someone's commuted back from the central London to come out again for a meeting. That's yeah. pretty yeah. difficult. And it's the reality of living in an area where you kind of need to be a dual income family to yeah. be able to afford a, yeah. a house. Yeah, yeah. And so you've got to, you've got to shape your ministry shape your ministry around that and that's what we've we've tried to do and it has been glorious mm. so actually we've i mean we asked you about reasons and what you interesting what you've mentioned is we're talking about kind of adult sunday school but the, the driver you've mentioned was not not to do with that it was to do with the service the main gathering yeah children in was the conviction yeah and, was, getting, was, was and that, getting to know each other better and, and then the, okay so then you add an extra thing yeah which is some teaching but lots of discussion time for because if it wasn't just if we, if we weren't so interested in getting to know each other well then it might be more one directional i mean when we when we read scripture church isn't described in a in a one directional and we preached our way through one corinthians and we're sort of puzzling how does that play out in church life and one of the the beautiful aspects of the engage groups is it's so much more multi-directional learning from each other there was a lovely moment recently we were thinking about mission and the question was who's lived in a different country who's been to church in a different country mm. hands up most of the room <laughs> and um what a difference is tell your story mm. and suddenly you got this rich sharing of oh you know what church doesn't just look like it looks like in 21st yeah. century england mm. i've said at least as a as member of the church family the things my wife and i particularly appreciated is having that extra space in crossover means that we have got to know a lot more people faster yeah than we would have done previously because you know in a church of any size the, i mean frankly coffee time is a zoo isn't it a lot of people are trying to get a drink fast so they can swig a drink and, eat and get out and just having space 15 yeah. 20 minutes to sit and chat we've really appreciated that i think the other thing i really appreciate i want to come and visit i think it's great the other thing i've really appreciated is we i mean we're an anglican suburban church with a church school yeah. So inevitably, we've got a big fringe. We've got a lot of people who come once a month, but might think of themselves as 
members. And, the, and there's quite a lot of religion around, actually, folk religion in the local area here yep, as well. Definitely. It ju- we just felt that in a good way, it raised the stakes of the actual commitment someone makes to show that they really are a follower of Christ and a member mm. of the church family. Just arrival of the service going away now feels less comfortable as an option. No, mm. if you belong to this church family, you give your morning because you are committed to this group of people. And so yeah. we've, we, yeah, we've really appreciated those things. Yeah. Well, w- we've been talking about kids in the service. I love to hear from both of you re- reflections around that. It seems to me that's increasingly in the air. It's been particularly strong in certain denominations and flavour of church. I think others where it's not traditionally been strong, people are beginning to think it. The little, actually, for what's worth, the little bit of reading around the history of this I've done, I mean, I think it, it's debated. Um, people tend to find what they think what should happen are. in the history, but there you go. Um, it does seem to have been pretty uncommon in church history for children regularly to go mm. out of the service, or, you know, up to the age of 14 or even 18. I gather John Knox once wrote something which instructed people quite firmly. You'll be surprised for John Knox. <laughs> the Scottish Reformation saying, don't bring infants in before the age of six, but from the age of six they're in. Yeah. So There were lots of people who didn't seem to like John Knox. <laughs> so there's no kind of monolithic church. No. Although Sunday practice. school as we know it, I think it's pretty easy to prove that Sunday school, as we know it, was initially an evangelistic endeavour. Absolutely. Well, Um, and a humanitarian endeavour to uh, to educate the children of the poor. Indeed. And not concurrent. Generally used to happen Sunday afternoon. No, exactly. Uh, There aren't many churches that pursue that still as a policy. Although the uh, the Metropolitan Tabernacle here in London, um, previously of of Spurgeon, they still have fleets of buses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they bus children in from all over South London. Okay. Um, to do to run evangelistic Sunday schools. Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, historically, you could debate around have children up to the age of five or six always been mm. in or have they not? There seems to be mixed practice. But certainly sending out everybody up to the age of 14 for a big chunk of the service, including the sermon, looks like a bit of an oddity historically. Agent Wood, as you began to do this and were practising it. What, how did your practice and your thinking develop? Well, um, initial feedback from parents was none of the children will cope with this. Yeah. Um, to which we said, can we give it a go? And in a small church, you generally have enough relational capital yep. to be able to have a go at things mm. if you want to. And also I could go around and see every member of the church within a period yeah, of time yeah, quite yeah. easily and, and say, come on, let's give it a go together. Mm. We, we found that generally children did cope okay um especially if their parents were on board so we did provide things for the children to do so i used to produce a worksheet um which had two halves to it half of it were questions that took you through the sermon so i had to think about this pretty carefully beforehand mm. Mm. sermons took longer to prepare yeah 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 so there were 12 questions that they answered as they went through um, there was a little quiz that they could give mum and dad to make sure mum and dad had been listening. That was their favourite <laughs> bit, actually, called Test Mum and Dad or Put Mum and Dad on the Spot, something it was called. So I gave them some questions and answers that they could check over the mealtime. Mm. There was a little section called Table Talk, which was um, some application questions they could talk about with mum and dad over the yep. mealtime. So that was for the older yeah. kids. And then the back end um, had, you know, some drawing space and word searches, those sorts of things. So, you know, uh, there was quite a lot of preparation putting that together every week. But every child had that. Yeah, and we yeah. said to parents, 
And if your children just come and they just draw, let them draw. Yeah, That's yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, you know, we believe in the work of the Spirit of God to actually bring people to life mm. and then give them a hunger and a thirst for what they hear. So let's trust the Spirit to do his work. And, and it was remarkable over time, actually, how many children began to engage yeah. with that. So that worked well for children in the church. Reasonably well. It wasn't perfect. Um, just two observations on that. We didn't have any children in the church with learning difficulties. Mm. I'm now in a church where we've got 40 children, eight of whom have quite significant learning difficulties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I'm not quite sure how that would work out. Yes. That would, yeah. be, a, that would be a whole different challenge that I've, I didn't think through at the time. Yeah. Because I didn't need to. And maybe that was remiss of me, but I, just, I didn't need yeah. to. Um, but the biggest challenge for us really was that people who came um, looking with a view, not, you know, this isn't preaching with a view, this is kind of attending with a view. You know, the people who turn up on Sunday morning checking you out, um, who had children, hardly. Oh, already hardly, believers. Already believers. Yeah, yeah. Hardly ever stayed. Yeah. Um, because they said what the parents in the church had also said, our kids won't do this. Yeah. But I had no relational capital with them to say just give it a go yeah sure which i did have with people in the church so they would say our kids can't cope with this mm. and sadness of sadnesses they would then go to the pretty woolly evangelical church yep. down the road mm. where i don't think actually they did as well now look let's go to the chase on this one do you think parents in the west parents in a country like this one have got some views of what's good and right for their children and what their children will cope with that frankly comes more from the culture than from the gospel and Christian life in that kind of area. Because I, I think that's what you're driving at. Yeah, I completely agree. Go on, John. agree with that. For sure. And same experience. Um, so one dad said to me, um, uh, two young kids, their eldest is seven, I think, and this is just not going to work. They're not going to be able to concentrate Six months on, having done a trial, uh, I got sent the seven-year-old son's notes from the sermon and it just made me want to weep because... It's a wonderful moment, isn't it? Just, you suddenly realise what you had expected mm. from your child, how much more can they take on board okay. than, than we really... And so week one of the trial was a mess. You know, it was tricky. And you notice all the parents moved to the back corner because they wanted to play it safe yeah. and actually trying to encourage them out of the back corner and say, actually, your kids will be able to engage far better at the front, be bold, jump right in, and when they've made that move, the kids really have... I mean, we, yeah. have, we have craft. We've got a craft team. We put together a craft, ties in with every sermon. Um, but not every family used use the craft because not every kid wants to use the craft. Some just want to sit and engage and we do 20 minute sermons and we actually break those up into two halves with a song in between and which i think helps everyone but um it definitely helps the kids but there, there inevitably there is noise yeah there a is room noise. with kids in is noisier than a room and it's interesting in. in other cultures that's fine yeah so i um back to east london yeah um a church that was um 50 non-white mm. probably more actually um, 65 nationalities it, it felt normal to have kids running around um, you know making noise like, like like in normal families and it's actually interesting in those other cultures very often um, children in that sort of setting call other adults auntie and uncle yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 actually yeah there's yeah, a yeah. more of a sense of family 
and what you're prepared to put up with as a family. So I, I think there is something about, you know, we can be quite tight as, as sort of white Brits sometimes and, and we need to loosen up a bit. But, I mean, has have any adults said to you, you know, I've got nothing against kids. I love kids. I want them to be part of the church. The brute fact is I take in less of the sermon because there are kids making noise than I used to. Do you think that's happening? Yes. So what do you feel about that? What do you respond? How do you respond? The, if you, well, there's a conversation with the individual adult, where are you sitting in a church? Because again, for them, the further forwards they're sitting, the more connected they are. And I don't know if it's true for every church, we fill up from the back. And it's the late comers who get shown to the front. So, no, it's only you. It's only your church. <laughs> there is no other church in the world where that happens. <laughs> but when you look at the whole, when you look at the body and the building up of the body, there is a bigger thing going on on Sunday morning than simply one adult struggling. And um, I remember one Sunday you came to me, you'd sat right back in the far corner where a lot of the noise tends to congregate. And you said, it was noisy. But if I wanted to concentrate, I could concentrate. I think, I mean, I know people, dear, dear friends of mine have really wrestled with this and struggled with it. Yeah. I think I found myself just as, as someone sitting, receiving the word, saying to myself, does the noise around me mean there will be things in the sermon I don't take, quite take in the way I would have done if this had been silent? The answer is yes. But it's good preaching we hear where there's a clear message that's, repeated and comes at us in a number of different ways that's just good oral communication so however much noise there is can i take in the core message being preached of course i can well have we got to even just i just i want to push that a little bit yeah, go on. because i wonder if there's something even a bit deeper so what is more valuable is it you tim hmm? an individual dr ward <laughs> um getting let's say 80 percent of the sermon is that more valuable than you sitting next to little Timmy and both of you getting 50%? Well, and my, exactly. my theology is yeah. the latter is more valuable yeah. because of the togetherness of church. And, and I think the problem is, and this is true of lots of areas of church life, we sometimes as leaders don't do a very good job of articulating and, and applying well and consistently our theological convictions about mm. church and church life. We, we settle into what's easiest, what's most pragmatic, what's most settled yeah. historically. Oh, and, oh, and I think that's just that's a big challenge in lots of areas of church. Are right? we just butting up here again in yet another area against the rank individualism of Western culture yeah, I think so. that we often don't challenge because the gospel challenges it massively. I mean, of course, there is an individualism of the gospel. Each person has to confess the Lord Jesus. You know to be, yes, of course. But there's a lot of Yes, but we, we go further than that and we dress it up in a kind of um, respectability. So I can't concentrate on the sermon. That sounds quite a you know, godly thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I really want to listen to the sermon. I really want to concentrate. I want to hear what's being said. Um, but that is a kind of, if, if that is being set up against someone saying, well, you know, at least you're learning with someone else who's younger. Yeah. And we are basically dressing up individualism as a with a kind of respectability. Mm. So yeah, I think there's something in that. Mm, interesting. The other thing it's done is forced to rethink on preaching. I think we have we In work what way? Hard, well what we way? work harder on our sermons now to make sure what we are trying to say is crystal clear. And you know, a lot of the 
the padding, the Wednesday afternoon padding goes to get to a Friday afternoon clarity. And it's been interesting seeing, you know, and bits where I'm putting it in a sermon thinking, oh, this will help communicate it to the kids. Those are the bits the adults are coming out and saying, that really landed it for me. And they take it away. And well, I have to say, as, as, someone, as someone who teaches preaching, whenever I see your students give me, you know, guidance on uh, teaching teenagers well, I just look at it and think, I just think that's good guidance on teaching yeah. anybody mm. well. Mm. Um, but if people largely teach pliant adults who have learned to sit there, look interested when they're bored or confused, we kid ourselves that we're communicating well because everybody's yeah. quiet and looks like that. No, no, they're not understanding or they're bored mm. or both. Um, yeah, there's a, a lot of advice on communicating well to kids mm. is actually and just there are other helps. Well there are other helps, aren't there? So uh, Sophie Killingly has written, a, um, she's an artist. She's written a book, or written a book. She's drawn a book for the Good Book Company, mm. which is just templates for kids' sermon outlines mm. and... Okay. Yeah little diary entries which you can buy and then you know so you don't actually have to prepare these things yourself now they can almost be pre-prepared so there are resources around I, I, one little extra bit of our puzzle at Yaley, tim which may be worth saying is we dropped our midweek bible study in small groups oh. because we said what we're doing is we're basically doing the bible study on sunday morning the discipleship study let's yeah, call it yeah, yeah. so what we did midweek is we made it a midweek we didn't do our after lunch prayer meeting that didn't ever get off the ground um, so we instead we had midweek small groups, which were prayer meetings. Mm. Um, and what we did in those three weeks out of four was we prayed in the sermon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, that was a great release for us because we didn't have enough. We didn't have enough gifted small group leaders. Yeah, who could really lead a good Bible study. And, and not, so many pastors tear their heads. It, tear indeed. Their head over that. And we said, well, actually, um, you're doing more. You've got more con. If, you, if you're going to measure it in content, we didn't want to do that. But if you're going to measure it in content by doing this um, 45 minutes on a Sunday and then having a sermon, you're getting more content now than you have before. Mm. Let's meet midweek to encourage one another and to pray it in and to say, well, how's that going to affect yeah. you? Let me pray for you and, and, and do it that way. That's, that's very interesting. One other reflection, Tim, just this is confessions of an idiotic pastor, really, but um, all age services. It's a separate podcast, <laughs> surely. Coming, coming soon. Um, yeah. You know, my, my concept of, oh, it's an all age service week, take a big theological truth, yeah, yeah. try and communicate that truth with a big visual aid. I was never preaching to the children. And there was a moment, you know, we made this change and I looked out one Sunday and I suddenly realised I'm pastoring the young people in this church for the first time. Yeah. And that, that's what God's called Be me to do. And because that's you, was doing it. Because you've taught the same core Bible material yeah. or theological and or theological truth to everybody. And and now it's application. And now children, here's yeah. an application to you. What does this mean in to your lives? Yeah. Now I'm going to talk to those who are retired. Exactly. Yeah. You're now past, pastoring everybody yeah. in front of everybody. So the kids get to hear how the pastor pastors the older mm, people yeah, that's right. and knows how to pray yeah. for that. And isn't it interesting how very often if you ask people really honestly, which bit of the service do you most enjoy? The classic evangelical British service, they always love the children's talk most of all. Mm. <laughs> so actually, if, uh, gen often that's because the pastor is speaking more simply yeah, yeah, yeah. and more clearly. So actually, yes. there's something in that. If you can make your whole sermon, not a children's talk, but if you can communicate simply and clearly yeah. and winsomely, yeah, yeah. actually you will be able to, you will find, speak to the whole church. This has been fascinating. We could go on for a lot longer. I'm just looking at the clock down here. We need to wrap up in a few minutes. 
the thing, I mean, one of the things that's really struck me as we've been talking about this now and as we were chatting about it before we, before we hit record is how, I mean, in my mind, we, we, what we're going to talk about is, quote, adult Sunday school. Get the adults together for additional teaching and, and time together relating together. But thinking about that has led us to let's think about children in, quote, the service all the way through. And actually how I, I wonder if a sense that you just it's never going to work having the kids in is one of the things that militates moving to against moving towards um, adult Sunday school. But you you've both bitten the bullet on that one. Yeah, although um, after I left, they have reverted back to the old model. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think um, yeah, the the spring is very tightly formed. OK, and you can pull on it. And I think you need to have some longevity and um, commitment to make it work. So it's really encouraging to me to hear exactly what you're doing and making it work. But I don't think I want people who are listening to underestimate the the size of the task. I mean, you you have a national ministry. You oversee. You get a national outlook. Oh, are we real outliers here? Yeah. Okay. I mean, there'll be other churches that do it, um, but not many, and um, especially larger churches. Sometimes you'll get small churches who have a more um, community group model of meeting together, um, who don't have the resources or the size and actually all the theological convictions to. To, to when they're starting from scratch, split up in that traditional way. But in terms of established churches, yeah. you really are outliers. Um, but I—that's not a reason for not doing something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's—it's um, it's good to hear. It's good to hear that it's um, making progress. Really, I find that really heartening. Two church council members who really didn't like the idea. I mean, they were godly about it, and we're happy to go because yeah, yeah. the majority were were in favour. Um, six months in after the trial, came to me. And said, I get it. I really Praise get God. it. That's good news. And we have a brunch once every seven weeks. Mm. And in that crossover time. And it's just glorious because we really do know each other. I mean, that's been such a battle. Church of 350 on a Sunday. Well, it's a bigger church than that. Um, if everyone turned up, true for everyone. But um, we really do know each other better, young and old. And the moment where, well, Sunday evenings in the summer, we've got, we sort of have, Bible studies in the evening in place of the evening service. And last Sunday, there were three young people came along. They're sitting in the groups. They're contributing alongside. So you've got an eight-year-old sitting alongside an eight-year-old. And that's just become normal yeah. in church life now. So it has achieved what you were yep. set out to achieve. We're getting is, is great. <laughs> no, it's great to hear. Final question for each of you. Of course, the, the way this will look, in di- it's going to look different in different churches. I'm glad we've had sort of two really quite different models talked about here. There's, there's going to be no one size fits all. Um, if, if someone listening to this was thinking, yeah, I'd, I would like to start thinking through and sort of leading my people in direction as to, ha- as to how this might look for us in our place. I mean, just picking up a Cockfosters or Yateley model, it's not going to be sensible. What would be your advice as to the key things that that church leader ought to start talking about with people and teaching them on that will just set the foundations in place so that so a church family can think about these things well can, can i be cheeky and answer a slightly different question please w- what question should i have asked well a pastor's calling is to serve his flock okay and 
we have deep theological convictions about what serves our flock best. Yeah. But they do need to always be contextualised to the yep. people that God has given us yeah, yeah, yeah. to serve and love mm. and care for and protect yeah. and guard. So I I think I was too bullish. Okay. Um, sort of a young Turk with very strong theological convictions. And, and I think I should have gone about what I did a different way mm. that would have been perhaps more loving and caring of the flock. And that would have been? I, I just think that would have been a, a slower process, okay. more explanation perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've not really reflect, reflected on it a huge amount, but, but I think we have to be careful to remember that our key calling is not to drive our theological convictions through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But our key calling is to love and care and serve for the flock. Mm. So if the flock are not going to be able to cope with it, you, you have to rethink a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I d it's not pragmatism. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think that's a different thing. Mm. I'm not really very keen on the, the concept of pragmatism in ministry, but, but I think it's about being a pastor yeah. and having the interests of the flock at your, at your heart. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think, actually, it does answer your question in a sense, which is how do you go about any change in church life or actually making church what you think it ought to be yeah, yeah. as a gathering? You have to think what is best going to serve those that the Lord is entrusted into yeah. my care. How am I going to love them and care for them and build them and keep them and protect them under the great chief yeah. shepherd? That's really helpful. I guess every pastor would genuinely say, I have on my heart to serve the people. Indeed. But I think what I'm rightly hearing from you is sometimes I won't know what will serve them best and they will help me understand what will serve them best. I think that's right. Yeah, that's really helpful. Mm. Thank you. John, for you. Um, I was thinking we preached through 1 Corinthians, which I think gave us a help give a bigger view of church, mm, what church mm. is, and to preach big church and to fight against little church really helps. And then it's the openness to conversations. I mean, the trial was a trial, and making sure that's a genuine trial rather mm. than I'm just going to tell you it's a trial for six months. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and we we worked hard to try and listen to everyone we did what we called a big visit so um every household on the church database was mm. visited not just by me mm. by a team of about 25 people um and that was just a chance to make sure voices really were heard because we believe that's what church is yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it shouldn't just be a this is what we're going to do now it's a here's a bigger picture of church and what might that look like for us together moving forwards John. And let God surprise you, because he has surprised me. I was terrified about this, but it, it has been wonderful. That's great. Thank you so much. John, Adrian, really grateful for your time. Thanks for Taking having me. time out of busy lives of ministry. Wonderful. Great to be here. We trust that this uh, episode of Deep Roots has been a real blessing to you as you think through your own leadership, where God has placed you, or if you're a member of the church, how you can be a, a fruitful and godly member of your own church family in your own particular place. Um, do check out our back catalogue. We're building up quite a list now of um, previous Deep Roots episodes. If you've missed some, you may well find some there that are a blessing to you. We cover a whole variety of topics in, in theology and ministry. Um, we've got an ex exciting spreadsheet building of topics that we're, um, that we're thinking about and going to be recording on soon. So um, look out for our next one. We'll see you again soon.